Welcome back to the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Episode number, we stopped keeping track, but I think it's 54. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Welcome back to the show. Got a special guest that I have exclusive rights to because (laughs) it's my brother. Um, And and no one else wants to talk to him. And no one else will talk to me. I either talk to myself or my family. So let me just open this by telling a story. So here I am up in, this isn't the story, but I'm up here in Wyoming and I'm new to the area, but the last like five or six days, it seems like we have been having these epic afternoon, evening thunderstorms and we're in the middle of one right now. I hope at some point one cracks off because I'm pretty sure you guys will be able to pick it up on the mic. But um, so I can't, and I'm sure Jason's the same way. Um, I cannot experience a thunder lightning thunderstorm anymore without <laughs> <laughs> thinking of this story. So there we were. And I think we've told this on this podcast, and I don't care because, you know, when you take six months off the podcast, it's like everything's everything's free game. We can re-talk about anything because you're start you're starting over, starting fresh. Yeah, it's like when Grandpa retells us the same story, you know, after we see him like a, a week later. Like you can just re-talk about things. So there we were, and the punchline is i was at one point i was in my one-man tent by myself uh, in the middle of the night experiencing a thunder and lightning storm i was on my knees in my sleeping bag like with my arms out on my knees (laughs) saying a prayer that my life would be spared no joke (laughs) saying a prayer that my life would be spared whilst whilst reaching back and holding on to the tent bars the the poles at the top of the tent because it was you know gale force winds um i like i've never been the same since are you the same way uh yeah i i think of that same hunting trip and anytime i don't mind it like in town lightning in town but anytime i'm like in the mountains or uh, i remember the next year after that experience there was a lightning storm like 10 miles in the distance and i'm like running for camp because i'm like scared to death (laughs) i don't even appreciate it in town uh you know in my house i just i always stop i just pause i just stop what i'm doing and i just like i just reminisce about that time when our lives were almost over so i'm I'm still amazed that at least one of our tents didn't get smoked (laughs) yeah well you still have that same tent don't you you're still running that um uh big agnes fly creek is that same tent yeah i think that's the tent the tent you were in me and Corey were in a like a marmot a bigger or something like a bigger three man yeah and, and then we were, Mark you know, was, was there too, yeah. 
Yeah, Mark had his little Easton tent that kind of got shredded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, it wasn't extremely durable. It was that, like, Easton carbon. It was, like, super yeah. lightweight. But I remember the next day he had to, like, duct tape the poles because they snapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that says a lot about those tents that, uh, you know, that they made it through that. But Yeah, that, that uh, Big Agnes Fly Creek that I have, it's... I think you got that in like 2013. Oh it's, yeah, it's relatively. The, the zip, yeah, the zipper on the fly ended up going, but I, Big Agnes was awesome. They uh, just sent me a whole new fly. But, yeah, yeah, their was, customer service seems to be pretty dialed. Yeah, and I I used to think they were like anti-hunting, but I actually got on their website recently, and they had a a picture of some hunters with a tent. So that's good. You know, there's a lot of talk about that these days, um, you know, and I like to a certain extent, here's where I'm at on that. Um, I'm all for supporting companies that support hunting, I guess, if, yeah. well, how do I put this? As long as it doesn't compromise the quality of my gear to some degree, you know, um, yeah. like... But at the same time, it's like, you know, well, does the company that, you know, made the fabric for your seats in your truck, do they support hunting? You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know, man. It's like at some point you just like, I almost think it's a better slap in the face to use a product from a company who hates hunting to go hunting and to kill stuff (laughs) and then send them a picture and tag them in it. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know. I think I, I think a few years ago, um, you know, as far as like backpacks and tents and all that other crap, um, you know, the non-hunting companies were the best ones making it. Um, yeah. you know. But now, I think you know companies like Kafaru and whatever other backpack companies, and, Clo- clothing. Uh, yeah, clothing obviously has come like insane. You know, insane insane improvements over the past few years and tents and you know trekking poles and whatever else so i think you know if if you look around enough you'll find a a hunting company that's gonna make something as good if not better yeah than a granola company yeah well and it's just you know and i i don't know but those companies that are quote unquote not against hunting like it's not like they're it's not like they're donating money to hunting. They're not for hunting, probably. We're just, yeah. you know, as hunters, we're just like, we just hear that they're like, we'll call it neutral. They're, well, they're not against hunting. And we're like, okay, phew, like, <laughs> good. I feel good yeah. about using them. But I don't know. I, I don't get too worked <laughs> up about that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it, it is it is interesting to hear the companies, you know, and I, I, I do. I, I try to navigate especially like as you know like okay jet boil for example that's kind of what i had in mind when i brought this up um i've had a jet boil for i don't know a long time and not until recently you know have i heard all this stuff um you know jet boils against hunting um or whatever um you know i I think snyder has said that you know he's talked to the people you know that are head up there and they're not for it or whatever and so where i'm at it's like i already own it i've already been using it like they already got their money from me like i'm not gonna ditch my jet boil just to buy the next one that is uh 
a fan of hunting but when my jet boil breaks or i need to replace it then i'll look for you know i'll I'll, I'll pick up the msr or whatever um that's you know a company that supports hunting or isn't against it or whatever i guess i don't know yeah anyway interesting yeah so here we are uh two or three episodes in to the reboot of the finding backcountry podcast 2.0 we'll call it and you know the it was tough for those who were looking for episodes but the advantage is we still have plenty of hunting stories to tell (laughs) from, from last year and so just as you're getting ramped up for your 2019 season we are going to uh, provide you with motivation from our 2018 season and jason how many hunts did you have last year like legit um you had this mule deer uh, muzzleloader tag that we're going to talk about was that the dedicated hunter yeah okay and then we had the we had nevada arch nevada archery and I think that was it. And then, well, then I hunted Arizona over the counter. Oh, yeah. Which I think is my new favorite hunt. <laughs> Archery over the counter? Yes, dude. So, so much fun. Like, I mean, just, yeah. It was, I seriously can't wait for that hunt. I would actually rather hear those hunt that hunting story than the muzzleloader hunt because I was kind of with you or on the mountain when you killed the muzzleloader deer. So, we'll maybe circle back to that talk about that over-the-counter archery tag in arizona um well we i guess you and i we started scouting it in uh you know the year before the year before last year yep yeah we 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 drove you know you're you're the one who did all the scouting i remember you you know finding all the water guzzlers well it was so it was so close and we'd heard about this hunt for a long time and it's it's over the counter, but you know it's uh, it's still money and it's still a tag or whatever. And so I was like, you know, I hear all these guys, hear all these guys that are like, you should scout a hunt even before you apply for it if you're serious about it. And so I'm yeah. like, you know what, I'm gonna try that. You know, Jason Carter's and Robbie Dennings and stuff like that. And so um, we, I go down the year before whatever we were even planning on hunting this, and just randomly found some water holes put some trail cameras up not seriously not even thinking anything of it like just something to do on a weekend or whatever and we're we're pretty close and we go down and check the cameras and we're like oh uh there's a couple pretty nice pretty nice bucks i'd shoot this on a limited entry tag (laughs) well i you i think you went down and set them up in like november 2017 like around thanksgiving i think is when you went and then we uh you know we had plans to go check it and you know before because you know technically the hunt is in december and then again in january for the next year that's right and so we were gonna go down and check it i remember like you know probably in january and before we decided to buy the tag that's right yeah and then, you know, we just never did it, put it off, whatever. And then we didn't even get the cameras until, like, February, I think. Mm-hmm. 
and that's see, when he, see i didn't yeah. technically scout it the year before i was planning to hunt it i just didn't <laughs> i just forgot well, to hunt it <laughs> but the trail camera you know did i guess yeah and uh yeah so i remember we went down there and picked up like three cameras that you placed and two of them were kind of a bust like tiny little bucks but then that one water hole holy smokes it was i remember we had that huge uh a huge four by five that was probably like i don't even know like a mid 170s buck yeah on some general over-the-counter yeah just a big old heavy deep forked like you know just a sweet looking buck and i remember he hit on january 1st and (laughs) january 2nd at like 11 in the morning both days he was just like egging us on like you should have been here you sucker and then and then he kind of kept hitting like a week later and then he hit like the 25th or something of january and so (laughs) and so after we did that i'm like i am hunting that hunt next year i do not care what (laughs) like even if we don't find that buck there were a couple other you know pretty nice for an over-the-counter hunt just you know nice like 150 bucks and so fast forward a year to to you know october or november of uh 2018 and me and my buddy wyatt we drive down to arizona and set up trail cameras and i had scouted like that same area but every guzzler within like you know an hour drive and so we went down there and set up probably i don't know seven cameras or so even more on more water holes than we had yeah and so then i went back um a time one or two times i think before the hunt opened and we we decided to buy a tag in december because kind of based on what we've heard there's more people hunting in january which it makes more sense to hunt january because if you don't kill in january then you can hunt in august and in december yeah it's a calendar year tag so it go it runs no matter when you buy it it runs from january 1 to december 31st and so obviously more guys you know likely to be out in the first part of january and then some guys are going to kill and get sick of it or whatever and then guys are going to kill in august and get sick of it too and so yeah that makes sense less guys in december probably yeah so anyways we went down there and uh i checked those cameras probably two or three times and there were unfortunately never found that huge huge uh typical five by four that we got the year before mm-hmm. but we did have quite a few other bucks and um you know it was good enough so we we bought a tag um you know in december 2018 right before the hunt and the hunt opened december 14th and it went to the end of the year so we uh me and my buddy wyatt went down there and the best part about the hunt is you know this is a backcountry hunting podcast but (laughs) (laughs) we we freaking we drove uh the camp trailer down there and (laughs) it had the heater and i i probably consumed more mountain dew and dr pepper than i have every other hunt combined (laughs) we have got to step it up we are slipping like bad we've had more hunts lately like i'm thinking of my new mexico hunt a couple years ago like trailers and campfires every night like cooking food and we've got to step it up 
Hey, my my kind of general rule, and I'm going to break it this year because some of the tags we drew, but pretty much after, you know, like mid-October. <laughs> You're over it? Yeah, well, it's pretty much like not backcountry season anymore. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Which, I mean. I just like listened the- to Robbie Denning talk about if you want to kill big bucks <laughs> in later seasons, you got you got to be willing to like pack up on the mountain in the freezing cold. So, hey, you know, whatever. I'm gonna believe Robbie over you. No offense. You know, <laughs> we this year I drew the Wyoming uh, rifle. Well, I guess it's archery or rifle elk tag in a good unit, and it's a backcountry hunt. Backcountry so. hunt. Yeah, we'll we'll be packing in, and I probably won't even hunt archery just because of time. Yeah, and then. So we'll be packing in November, and then Ashley, my wife, she drew a like a late season rifle elk tag in Nevada for like the best unit in the state. And I've already convinced her. I'm like, I know where those bulls live, and even in November, her hunt opens November 21st and ends like December 4th. You gonna take the Kafaru TP, huh? Yeah, I told her, I was like, I know where those bulls are because I've, you know, I've seen them and I've helped people pack them out. And they are at the top of the peaks at like nine or 10,000 feet. And they're in the nastiest, steepest, rockiest, thickest canyons you can find. Yep. And they just don't even give a crap. Yep. So, so snow, 12 inches of snow. Yeah, I mean, so we're, and she she's all for it. We're going to. I plan on taking like like five llamas, <laughs> and we're just gonna take all of the clothes and all of the food, <laughs> all of it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be, and we'll take that Kafaro teepee with the stove. Oh it's yeah, gonna, I, it'll be. I'm excited. It'll be a fun hunt. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. we we are doing better. So then, <laughs> and then we've got archery, uh, Colorado archery deer tag that's uh, wilderness backcountry. <laughs> Um, yeah, Utah. On a, on a side note, we uh, we were looking at that Colorado unit today and just kind of scouting it out online. And you're like, you send me a, a coordinates to this mountain. You're like, this mountain looks pretty awesome. And I I start looking and I'm like, man, there's not a road like anywhere near there, <laughs> like anywhere, or a trail really. And I start looking around, and I'm like, geez, these roads are, like, not even close. So I get on uh, Google Earth and, and start tracking the mileage. From and the, the nearest trailhead. Yeah, and we're on Onyx Maps, too. And it's, like, 14 miles <laughs> to, to the peak of the mountain that you're wanting to hunt. And so, oh, man. It goes back know. to our saying that we've adopted over the years, and that is don't think just go yeah don't think about it just do it yeah um so yeah yeah well this year to be honest every hunt that we have i've got utah archery deer colorado archery deer and then wyoming elk and then uh, my wife is utah archery deer as well and the nevada elk and all five of those hunts are going to be backcountry. Yeah, so we so. are back on track. I like it. I should have Wyoming backcountry deer hunt. I'm going to slip a little on the antelope, Wyoming antelope tag, because let's be honest, like, that's just, <laughs> it's going to happen on a Saturday. I might just 
shoot over the hood of my truck. Um, <laughs> and I got talked into something that I swore I would never do. And if my buddies from work listen to this, they're going to give me crap. But I got sucked into applying for not one, but two antelope doe tags in Wyoming. <laughs> Ew. Well, listen. Okay, I'm gonna sell you on it too. They only want fifty bucks a tag. They only want fifty bucks for a non-resident. Yeah, but and you I can you can get two Nevada. of them. I know, I know, and that's the thing. It's, I'm the one guy yeah. that's probably applied for them as a non-resident because everyone else is like, <laughs> I'm not driving to Wyoming to tip over an antelope doe, and I'm definitely not tipping over two of them. I don't know. Um, I just assume draw a Nevada cow elk tag or right. a utah cow tag right in the you know but. i've heard i've heard my buddy chris at work if he listens to this he's gonna laugh because he says he swears that antelope doe meat is uh the best and i'm like that doesn't sound right but <laughs> whatever you say so i'm gonna give well, it a try it better be because you're only getting about 10 pounds <laughs> <laughs> and that's if you don't take out a front shoulder with a bullet or something yeah you know you, if it's just perfect clean like rib shot <laughs> say something happened and you put one through the hind quarters and oh then you yeah put one through the front quarters like gone. trouble trouble <laughs> yeah just completely uh, gone <laughs> So hold on, back. okay. We we got way off track, rabbit hole. Um, so Arizona archery deer, you you start hunting in December. Um, pick up where you left off. Yeah, so we um, we had about um, seven or eight days, I think, um, planned out for the hunt. So we went and we decided to go December fourteenth, even though we knew that the rut might not be going yet because the rut down there is weird it, it doesn't get started till like mid-december which, yeah you know but where we're at it's, it's uh, over you know first for yeah, it's over it starts first of november and it's weird because it's we're really only like you know four hours away yeah a couple you know, hundred just, miles yeah it's just weird the deer down there are like completely different so we get there november 14th and um we start hunting and you know we so we'd been checking our trail cameras and been seeing quite a few deer on them and they've been coming in like in the daytime and i just remember getting down there like the first two days of the hunt and we just like could not figure it out like we were getting up in the morning and we couldn't even find a freaking deer like they the deer down there i don't know just the terrain we were in they blend in super well and they're not very big i guess they're a little smaller than the deer we're used to and we just we could not find one for like two days and then uh on like day three whatever we finally found a couple little bucks and uh i remember like one of the first bucks i found was a nice um pretty nice four point you know just like a one 140 buck and i uh went on a stock and ended up getting to like 80 yards on him but he he saw me and it's just so flat out there that you can kind of just keep chasing him like all day <laughs> sounding more so, and more like antelope hunting <laughs> yeah it oh it's so fun and the whole time the bucks just like puffed up rutting does and head down like and the hardest part about that hunt and probably any rut hunt is 
the does. There's so many does that it's just impossible to sneak in. Yeah. And you know, it's like so, it's like it's like bulls trying to sneak in on bulls during the rut. Elk, you know, yeah. it's like if it was just the bull, it, it, they're they're completely oblivious. Like especially during the oh, rut, yeah. you know, they'll sit and rake a pine tree in the middle of a herd of cows for 20 minutes. Like, like can't yeah. hear a thing, can't see a thing, don't even care, not trying to look around or anything. Um, probably could be upwind of them and they wouldn't even pick it up or notice it. They're that stupid um, sometimes, but it's the cows. Like you can't, you can't beat all yeah. those because the cows, just like real life, like women never do, you know, they never, they, they're, keep their head pretty pretty consistently <laughs> yeah that's like a every every time we've ever found a bull that's alone and bugling We're every good. time yeah. we, we see that yeah we just close the distance and let out a couple cow calls and every time i've seen it a bull alone bugling without any cows he's in trouble you get within you get within 200 yards and let out a couple cow calls he's coming to you every single time yeah if it's sometime during the middle of september yeah yeah obviously only during the rut but anyways so that we're down in arizona and it's a couple days kind of go by and it's just you know not a ton of rutting going on um and the bucks seem to be kind of you know maybe a little bit in the morning but they're kind of shutting down during the day it's just not going too too good yet and uh so we went and checked out this new area that we called the junkyard because it's like there's just like <laughs> just it's just like a dump down there like it honestly it feels like you're in mexico like <laughs> you you remember we even drove through an area down there and there was a huge flag pull up in someone's front yard and they had a mexican flag hanging that's true they did the like no american flag above it it was just straight yeah, up just, mexico just Mex flag that's true yeah and we're just like what the heck we're yeah. like <laughs> we're not even close to mexico we're like completely other side of the state <laughs> yeah so you know it's it's kind of an interesting area but anyways um yeah so we're we just hunted around for a couple days and it's just um we went to this junkyard area and we finally found a couple bucks that were acting pretty ruddy and uh one of them i've got a pretty good history with that I'll, we'll get to that but i ended up missing a shot at him on the very last day and it broke my heart anyways <laughs> So we find a couple of these bucks, and, you know, Wyatt goes on a couple stocks, and I go on a couple stocks, and the worst part about being down there is the freaking cactus. Holy crap. <laughs> I was just going to ask so, you, what are you stocking in on your shoes? So usually I use just, I throw on a thick pair of socks, right? And so down there, it is cactus everywhere, and it's like the cactus <laughs> landmine. Like, you... You can't, you cannot miss the cactus. Like well, you're gonna step on it. And it's like, uh, like, and I know what you're talking about because growing up in in Bunkerville, Southern Nevada, which is basically the same exact climate as what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, even though the cactus is growing and it's right there for years and years, it's just been dropping its prickly cactus sticker things all over the ground and so that's not just like looking out for cactus that you're going to rub your leg against 
there's yeah. just cactus shards all over just yeah every, it, everywhere you know, the cat you know the cactus itself wasn't a problem it's all yeah. the crap on the ground that you just you can't yeah. see and you can't avoid it and you can't yeah it so man i you know i'll, I'll kind of get back to the cactus thing but that was it was brutal i remember wyatt went on a stock <laughs> and i was just i was just watching him and uh he was just the whole time like he'd take a step and then he'd be like hopping like yeah hopping reaching down pulling it out and he was just he was just dying and so you know i was the same way on every stock i went on and my feet by the end of the day you know being on a stock for an hour just constantly stepping in cactus your feet are just like killing you and they hurt you think Uh, it's critical there though to drop your boots like you couldn't have just kept your boots on yeah, it's that's the problem. It's super loud there. Yeah. Um, Crinkly little rocks and just like yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, we we had about eight days planned to take off, and on day about five, um, <laughs> Ashley, my wife, um, is texting me and basically having to come apart because we had a female llama that died. Oh yeah. And. Um, our daughter Oakley was just kind of being a handful. I don't remember what was going on. And then at the same time we were, uh, trying to move, um, our stuff into our, our new house that we're renting and she's just, you know, couldn't handle it. So she's like, you need to come home. So we're like, all right, whatever. So we end up bailing and I told her, I'm like, I'm going to come home, but I'm going back the last like four days of the year. She's like, okay, <laughs> you <fine."> told her. <laughs> yeah. So I get home and, you know, get everything taken care of. We get everything back. Um, I have to go back to work for a couple of days. I work as a firefighter. So we rough. work two days, two days, and then have four days off. Yeah, it's real rough. If you're looking for a new career, I would say firefighting, <laughs> it seriously can't be beat. For, for even, if, even if you don't hunt, like if you just want to go fishing more or hiking or I don't know why someone who doesn't hunt would be listening to this podcast, but anyways. <laughs> oh, we have a wide demographic. <laughs> yeah, you never you never know. Someone might stumble on it. So this is for you, uh, random podcast listener. <laughs> um, so we go back the last four days, and Wyatt could only stay, like, I think two days of the hunt. He could only stay – yeah, he had to go back on – well, I think he had to leave New Year's Day, the 31st, and anyways, so we're out there hunting, and the, the rut's kicking up pretty good, and actually found one buck that was a pretty big typical, I'd say he's like a 165 probably, just a nice solid buck, and, uh, you know, try and get in, and he's got like 14 does on him, and we just, you know, can't even get close, so and I'm blowing him out and that's just the whole the whole hunt down there is basically like you go on a stock blow him out like okay whatever who cares and then you know within we we were going on at least one or two stocks per day yeah so oh not to mention we you know ran into a couple of javelina and uh <laughs> we ran into a couple at like 20 yards and those things are the funniest little they're just like they're mean but 
Yeah, they're just goofy. And they um, isn't the application for those like? Am I thinking of the right state? It's like in October. Are yeah. You, are you gonna apply for that, or you don't get? You just don't care. No, I, I think it's like a hundred bucks for a tag, but they're, <laughs> the the hardest part is finding them. They're because they're like we're out there hunting in like the sagebrush and the super short bushes, and they're literally that tall. So. Yeah. <laughs> And we've been getting a million pictures on the trail cameras of them, but we like we never saw them until like the last you know couple days, and we've been out there for five days or whatever total and just haven't seen them. And then finally we ran into a couple, and then I saw them like the next three days. <laughs> but anyways, so we uh, we get to like December thirtieth, and there's this water hole the one where we set up that camera the first time um the year before <clears throat> and got that big five by four and you know there's this deer like hitting this thing like all day and again there's like kind of they're super sneaky and hard to find and it's just they're hard to glass up down there and so we have a plan and i'm like why why don't you just go take a chair and make a seat and just because we didn't have a blind with us so just you know kind of find a spot to sit there at the guzzler and you know hopefully something will come in so while he's doing that i go to the junkyard and i'm over in the junkyard area and i uh found this buck <laughs> this little we called him the whitetail buck and um because he kind of had like a weird whitetail looking frame and I go in on a stock on him like multiple times. He finally beds on this hillside and he's like 300 yards from the road. And with the way the wind was blowing, I had to circle all the way around this hill to get on the other side of him so I could approach him from, from the other direction. And he's bedded up on this hill about 300 yards from the road, looking right at the road. Like you can't, you couldn't miss it. And I'm like, how am I going to get, like, get on the other side of him without him spooking? And finally, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to walk right up this road. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll bet you 10 bucks he doesn't even move. He's just going to sit there and watch me. So <laughs> I just, I get on the road about 300 yards away from this buck bedded with one doe. And I just start walking up the road. And I would stop every couple hundred yards and just kind of glass up there. And he's still just bedded, staring at me. <laughs> and I keep walking another couple hundred yards and look and still staring at me and so i circle all the way around and i get to um the hillside he's on and i start sneaking in and it's like a perfect stalking spot and i um get within about i think it was 55 yards or maybe maybe it's 50 yards or something and i can see his antlers super clearly but I can also see um, there's a doe bedded up above him. And I knew if I tried to move anymore, she was going to see me. So I, uh, I'm i just kind of sitting there for probably 20 minutes, and the wind was really good in my face. And I look up, and this doe, like, after a while, has me pegged. She's just staring at me. I'm like, gosh, freaking dang it. 
And so at this point, I'm like, oh, I can either wait and she's going to blow out or I can just draw back and just step out and get the buck to stand up. And I'm like, I can get him to stand up. He'll probably stand there for about five seconds or whatever and then give me a shot. Yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong? So, you know, I range it and like I said, it's about 50 yards, get my pin set and I draw back and I step out and I let out a big grunt and... uh he uh, takes a couple grunts from me. He finally stands up and just perfect, perfectly broadside at like 50 yards, a shot that I've done a million times. And I shoot, and the arrow goes over his back like a foot. And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, this bow is probably off. But I go over there, and I, and I go to where he ran over the hill, and I watch him. And again, it's like super, super open here. And so... I see this buck and he's still out there in the open and he beds down in another spot. And I'm like, that's like a good stalking spot too. (laughs) You're the only person. I'm sorry, but you're the only person I know that can just take shots at deer and they see it and they blow out and then they run. How far did this one go? Um, he probably ran, I don't know, half a mile. Oh, so it wasn't like, 200 yards like the other deer well i'm not done with the story yet <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, gets, it gets better so he goes down and beds in this other spot and i'm like man i think i can get to that, that buck again and so i uh i get in the truck and i drive the truck down to a different spot and then i start hiking up this wash directly towards him so I get to this other spot and I start coming up from below him and I, uh, I'm in the pretty decent spot and I get a a really good spot, uh, right behind this big boulder and I can see like the buck's antlers and I'm sitting there waiting for him and he, uh, he finally stands up. So I get another shot at him. Okay. And again, this is like 50 yards again. And the arrow goes like a foot over his back. And I'm like, what the freak is going on? I'm like, this bow has got to be off. Cause it just, I didn't feel like he was jumping the string. And, and I, you know, I was just at this point, I'm like, what the heck? So after the shot, this, again, this buck was like skylined and the arrow goes flying over to who knows where I probably hit a cow or something. (laughs) And, I get um, get up to the top of the hill where he ran over, and I watch him again. And again, he goes like a couple hundred yards probably. And he's like, what the heck just happened? Like, so confused. And I'm like, what is going on? This is the dumbest deer I've ever seen in my life. And I keep watching him, and he, again, beds down in a different spot on another little hill. And I'm like, he's in a good spot again. <laughs> So, sure. I start stalking in. I stalk in again and find the deer. And I think this time I get within like forty-five yards. Oh my gosh! And did it I'm cross like, your is... mind at this point to aim a foot lower than you thought? Yes. Okay. Yes, it did. So, I think I even on this one I get to like forty-five and I drop the air, the rest or the my sight down to like like thirty-five or forty yards or something like that. And this is like, it's starting to get a little dark, and the buck's still bedded down. 
and at this point, I think the sun had set, and, like, it's starting to get pretty cold. And finally, the buck stands up, and I had ranged it a million times. And so, at this point, I'm, like, super chill and calm because I'm, like, I don't even care at this point. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so, drawback, he was at 45, and I think I put it on 40 on my pin. And shoot and it goes over his back by like a like a couple inches and i'm like oh my gosh should have put it on 35 (laughs) yeah so i'm like about ready to throw this is my new matthews verdicts that i bought and you know i've been shooting it for a month straight pretty much every day and i had it dialed into 80 yards you know so i come back so well, the best part is while the whole time while I'm over here, like chasing this deer, I didn't eat anything all day, and I was like out of water because I was seriously chasing this buck from like sun up to dark, <laughs> just constantly like just hours and hours of me chasing, playing cat and mouse with this deer. The whole time, <laughs> why our our original plan was why it was gonna sit on the water until about noon, and then I was gonna come like switch him. And I text him, like, around noon or whatever. I'm like, dude, I'm just chasing this deer around. Like, I keep getting shots and stalks. I'm like, I'm just going to stay over here. I'm like, you can do whatever you want over there. And so Wyatt is a freaking champ, dude. He sits on that watering hole all day without any food or water. All day. <laughs> yeah, from seriously sun up to sundown. Oh, and, my um, Finally, he's like, he leaves a little bit before it's dark, like, you know, still plenty of light enough out there to see. And this is where it is the best story ever. He is driving back to camp in the side-by-side, and these deer across the road in front of him. Oh, no. <laughs> and he jumps out and runs up the hill about 50 yards, and there's this little two-point that's rutting, and but or Wyatt has never killed anything with the bow so i'm like dude you need to shoot anything that you can get a chance at yeah so still legal shooting light i assume i mean just like getting dark yeah yeah it wasn't dark it wasn't completely dark yet totally legal so we he uh jumps out runs up the hill and he said this little two point was rutting so hard that he just walked (laughs) he walked straight at him and why ended up shooting him from like 20 yards and hit him like right in the chest and Wyatt texts me, and it's still, like, a little bit light. And he's like, dude, I just shot a deer. I'm like, no way. I'm like, I'm heading back to camp. We'll be there in, like, 20, 30 minutes, and we'll go find him. So I get back, and uh, we drive back up the road and find the blood trail. And the deer had actually crossed the road. And we're following this blood trail, and Wyatt's like, do you think we're going to find him? And, like, there's just blood everywhere, like I've never even seen before. And I'm like, uh, yeah, this buck's dead for sure. <laughs> and so we get up there, and he ended up um, dying in the wash, like 20 yards off the road. <laughs> Team backcountry. So the best, uh, the best part is that Wyatt sat on the water all day just to shoot one <laughs> off the road <laughs> on, on the drive back to camp off the road. You know oh, what? Oh my god. 
I've done it enough times where, you know, I don't care if you're road hunting or backcountry hunting or whatever. Sometimes it's going to be impossible. <laughs> and then other times you just take it when you can get it and it doesn't matter. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I will say I cut up his deer and I gave him like half of it. He gave me half. And, uh, man, I had, we had a roast the other night. We cooked it like, uh, Adam green tree, green tree posted online. He posted he uh, he sears it and then he puts it in the oven at like 400 degrees, mm-hmm. just covered in like butter, and uh, and we put it in there for about 40 minutes, like I said, and man, it came out just so good. Yeah. So let's. So, <laughs> so you're definitely doing the Arizona over-the-counter archery deer tag again. Yeah. Yeah. Well. To finish the story, uh, the next um, the next day, Wyatt gets up and leaves. It's New Year's Day, and I don't have a life or anything, and so I'm like, I'm just gonna stay here and keep hunting till dark. New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve day. Yeah, New Year's Eve. Sorry, not New Year's Day. New Year's Eve, the 31st, and mm-hmm. Wyatt leaves um, at like nine o'clock, and so. I didn't want to go out and hunt that morning. I'm like, I got to shoot my bow and see what the heck's going on. So the best part is I get my bow and I go back to like 60 yards, launch one, bullseye. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, that was a fluke. So Uh, I go back and shoot a couple more arrows, bullseye. It's not you, it's me. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know if those deer were jumping the string or what. (laughs) But at this point, I am down to one last arrow. (laughs) because that was the the last arrow that I had. All the other ones that I had broke, and I just didn't have any other ones. So I tell Wyatt, I'm like, well, I'm going to go, and I'll see what I can find. So I go over to the junkyard, and I'm uh, looking around. It's kind of like midday, but it's pretty cool, and it was even kind of off and on snowing a little bit. And I go over there, and it's kind of winding down. There's probably like three hours before dark and i'm just kind of slowly walking along this hillside that we've been on and i look down and find there's this giant three by three that we've been hunting that's i think he's pushing 30 wide and you could tell he's an old buck just you know crappy jeans whatever so one arrow i've got one arrow that's all you need yeah when i glassed up the buck he was right down below me about 200 yards and as soon as I see him, he kind of moves around and he beds down like in this tiny little wash. And so all I can see are his antler tips poking up, but he's looking right in my direction. But I'm like, he's, he can't see anything because he's down in a hole. So I take off my shoes. So at this point, what I had done is I got new boots like that week for Christmas, I think. And so I took out the insoles. <laughs> And I put the insoles, like, I put them inside my stocking socks. And then put your stocking socks over it. Yeah, and then put my stocking socks over. So it was acting like... Pretty uh, pretty genius, actually. Yeah, so the only problem with it is that when I was going up a hill, it would slide a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, occasionally I would step on one of those big, thick cactuses, and it would kind of go all the way through. But it was like... <laughs> It was like 95% better, just yeah. like complete game changer. I'm like, man, I'm on to something here. 
so this buck is bedded and the best part is he's got one doe with him which is a total miracle i'm like and i start stalking in and it's like the most textbook stock i think i've ever had in my life i cut it down to 100 yards like super easy at this point it starts the wind starts blowing really hard in my face and it starts snowing and like hailing which so is nice. really loud yeah and so i just start going for it and within like not even five minutes i've cut it down to like 50 yards and so i can keep going a little bit more i keep going and i i keep taking you know five yards and range in five yards range in. i'm at like 45 40 and then i get to 30 and when i get to 30 every every five yards i'd walk i would keep redialing my single pin sight just because i don't want to have to do it you know i that's what i usually do i'll i'll adjust it as i'm closing in mm-hmm. so i get to about 30 yards <clears throat> about as close as i even wanted to get and sure enough the doe who's bedded behind him who i didn't know exactly where she was at she pops up out of her bed and is staring right at me i'm like gosh dang it every time every time and so i was like well he's probably gonna blow out when she blows out so i've got my arrow knocks i've got my release on i started using a thumb release which i really like but um it's a carter i can't remember what it is carter three finger something but anyways um the doe staring at me for about 15 seconds and then she blows and takes off and the buck blows out of his bed and he runs uphill and then turns broadside and stops and stares right at me he had moved away from me about 10 yards or so and i'm like uh oh this is i'm like this is perfect so i had my pin set at 30 yards I'm drawn back by the time he blows out and I watch him and he goes back about 10 yards. I'm like, Oh, he's dead. And so I even raised my bow up a little bit. And I think I put that 30 yard pin about dead center on him. Cause I'm like, it's not going to drop that much from 40 to 30. At least I thought, <laughs> and I let the arrow fly and it feels like a completely perfect shot. And that freaking arrow goes under his stomach by about an inch. And I was well, Oh my gosh! I can't even explain like <laughs> how pissed and frustrated I was. Arizona archery hunt gone bad, dude. It was it was the most fun hunt yet, just frustrating. And you know, I I bought that verdicts and I love that bow, and it shot super super good and it was quiet and everything but i'm like i just i gotta get rid of this thing it's freaking bad luck (laughs) so i ended up selling it and got the traverse like you got holla it's just money huh yeah i mean such a fun hunt so frustrating (laughs) but i had i had multiple opportunities under like 60 yards and just well, kind of make it happen. So one thing that I was thinking about while you're talking, let me ask you this, because I know you well enough to know that you typically wouldn't go chase on on a lot of hunts we've gone on. You would not go chase a 145 four point or whatever. And yeah. So my question is, you know, obviously, it 
depends on the tag and the hunt and the quality of the hunt that you're on you know what i'm saying like if you were you know the unit we hunt in utah you probably wouldn't even look twice at that deer because we know there's better deer there but um my question is do you think you'll ever get to the point where you don't base what size of animal you're after on the hunt that you're on and you'll just be a guy that's you know only chasing whatever 170 180 190 type bucks or do you feel like you'll always kind of be it'll be relevant to the hunt that you're on um i i think it's all relevant um you know i we on that arizona hunt we scouted a you know kind of a general area about a 20 mile you know radius area and you know the the biggest buck we'd found was the like 165 four point and and i mean we like i said we had about eight cameras up and had spent a ton of time glassing and by the way i got my swirl 15s on that hunt like right before that hunt actually i got them earlier in the year but i took them on that hunt and wyatt had some tens and a dad our dad was there for a few days of the hunt and he has his tens or whatever and i was glassing like not even comparison way more deer than both of them combined just because mm-hmm. i have those 15s on a tripod and i was seeing deer that they just didn't even have a clue were there yeah so that's my little spiel on there's your how, um, there's yeah. your uh, we'll call that the backcountry logistics pro tip of the of the of the episode <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by backcountry logistics renting and llamas now in two locations renting llamas <laughs> now located in wyoming and southern nevada <laughs> please contact backcountry logistics for all of your pack llama rental needs okay we're back uh <laughs> No, oh, yeah, I, I, you said you were sponsored by Backcountry Logistics, right? So. Yes, yeah, that's their only sponsor so far. Yeah. Anyways. Well, my question though is like, and and maybe this isn't fair because, you know, it you know, things will change in the future. And but my question is, you know, do you do you think you'll ever get to a point where you stop hunting those type of hunts because they don't have big deer? I, I don't think so. It's, it's too much fun. Like that that hunt, and you know, there's certain other hunts. It's just it, you you don't do it for the size. You just do it because it's, it's just a freaking blast. Like, yeah, but and and so the interesting thing though is knowing being on hunts with you, um, where you are in a unit that holds big bucks. What you do, I think that most people can't is you control yourself when you're in those type of units and you've set your standard you just it's like you flip a switch it's like well that's not what we're you know we're in this unit and there's big bucks in this unit and then a 160 walks by and you're like that's not what we're after and you're just you've moved on 
most people yeah. like myself included at this point in my life like it's really hard to flip that switch you know you always you kind of like default back to like well you know all these all these you start spewing up all these uh all these excuses of like you know well gotta bring some meat home well don't want to waste this tag well don't pass up a buck uh on the first day that you kill on the last day you know or whatever these these sayings are or whatever so i i just find that interesting because i you unlike anyone i've seen i think can flip that switch on in different units and and you're disciplined to do it you know yeah i mean there's if i'm hunting a unit you know like for example utah archery even though it's a general tag um I just I've hunted it so much and seen so many deer that I know the quality there, and so for me to go out and shoot a 140 buck is just stupid because yeah. I know what you know with just a little more work I can find a 170 you know yeah. or even bigger. So, but on this hunt you know in Arizona I like I said we had many cameras out and I'd scouted it you know three different trips probably and. You know, the biggest that we'd got on camera was like a 160, 165. And so, to me, the one, the 165 buck is, in, the, in that you know, unit, uh, yeah, is, is a freaking, it's a trophy for sure. Yep. So, you know, it's I, all, I, I didn't like, I didn't all, lower my standards, even on that hunt, you know, like I said, it's all relative. I, I still wasn't hunting like, you know, fork and horns like my buddy Wyatt killed or, you know, or three pointers that just, you know, were just super, super average. I was still hunting the higher quality bucks that I could find. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's how it is with every hunt, whatever, regardless of what hunt, what tag, I'm just, it's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, and, and I agree with that. Once you're on the hunt, I just, I envy these guys. Um, you know, I mentioned Robbie Denning, Jason Carter, they're the obvious ones. I envy these guys that, you know, are so disciplined that, that you know, Robbie's just like, well, you got to hunt where big deer are, you know, and, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't even be there. You know, Carter wouldn't be there, um, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's inspiring, you know, because, um, you know, you just, when, when you see a guy that like sets a goal or sets a standard and sticks to it, um, you know it's because I, I, I can't do it right now. You know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like my pendulum is, is trying to shift that way. Um, where I'm, a, I'm trying to be a little bit more selective about, you know, the hunts that I put in for. And if I only get a tag in that unit, you know, every two or three years, as opposed to hunting a tag that I could get every year because I'm at, you know, and I don't know. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, everyone has their different reasons for hunting um you know and and you know it's like this whole trophy hunting thing like um is that my reason like yeah to some extent it is um now the benefit that i get or the things that i enjoy about hunting are all the byproducts of that you know getting in the yeah. back country, working hard, spending time with, you know, with buddies or whatever, being in the mountains, um, you know, enjoying the outdoors, uh, learning more about myself, you know, all those kind of things. Um, but the reason ultimately can still be, well, I'm after a big buck, you know, 
and and that yeah. you know there's just such a negative stigma on quote-unquote trophy hunter um you know because well i have my theories um you know i i feel like i feel like the people who have problems with people who are trophy hunters it's because they have an insecurity and they, they almost it, it it comes across to me like they feel like the person who is the trophy hunter is saying well if you're not a trophy hunter then i'm better than you you know and and it's just not it can't be that way in hunting and and here's and here's why here here's my theory on this is we treat hunting like a sport right especially the guys we're so competitive right well the problem is you know let, let's look at a, a a sport you know a basketball for example or whatever well it's really easy for us to compete in a sport like basketball because there's a standard. There's a standard playing court size, you know, yeah. w- within reason. The hoop's a certain height. The basketball's a certain size. Um, you know, there's a standardization, you know, within, you know, especially the elitist, like, in the basketball world, like, you're either in the NBA or you're not, you know? And it's like, yeah. that's the only place to go, and it's all standardized. And so it's really – it's a – perfectly level bar and in hunting it's like nothing's the same like nothing is the same uh you can't you know as soon as one guy's hunting a different state then it's different it's a different playing court well then another guy's hunting uh private land and one guy isn't well that's completely different rules well one guy's using a gun and one guy isn't well i don't care what you say using a gun's easier you know and so it's like which is fine it's all fine that all of those things happen but it's like well we you know to sit and compare our performance to anything else is impossible because the playing court's not the same size the regulations aren't the same so um yeah you know yeah i mean everyone's you know in the end you can do whatever you want yeah you know if you know all all this you know like you said all this flat out say heck yeah i'm a trophy hunter like well I, i think i think the whole the whole point of hunting and i've heard you know like jim shockey say this and stuff is the whole point is you're supposed to try and kill the most mature animal you can find out of the herd because that that's just what you're supposed to do you're supposed to you know ideally you're supposed to find an old buck a seven or eight year old that's already bred a ton of does and you're supposed to kill him so the younger ones can get an opportunity and that's 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 how you create this that you know if you want to look at it that way in the end i just it's more of a challenge for me to try and find a a bigger a bigger animal to kill a more mature one yeah and you know it and typically when you kill an older animal it's a bigger animal and so you know for me that that's just that's that's why i do it i don't i don't do it for and you know i do it for the experience and the challenge and all that stuff yeah Um, that goes with it but yeah well and and here's the hard pill to swallow uh for for myself sometimes and and others maybe but like it's actually is harder to kill bigger deer and elk like oh my gosh like what like yeah you know like it's true and if you don't believe me uh try it try it do it 
if you if if you you know if you um if you don't believe that it, that it actually takes more skill as a hunter to find and kill a 200 inch buck which i have never done not even close um so this isn't like you know me saying anything really because i'm you know like it's it is it's harder you're people who do that as, once once is the once is the the asterisk right once is like the exception uh yeah. do it multiple times you know kill a book kill a book you know what is book 100 i don't even know 185 inches or something boone and crockett is what i'm referring I think, to but i think typical typical is 180 180 185 on like like 220 or something yeah yeah like do, do it more than once you know and and so and that's fine the, the the point isn't that everyone should do that but to say that it's not harder is not true um you know and if you if yeah you know if if your motive is is hunting meat then hunt meat uh if your motive is you know uh i i think that jim shockey thing is like the conservation model you know kind of so to speak like you know that yeah. that's the way the system you know ideally would work um but you know people shooting their two points and taking home meat is also built into the system too and it works um we would all have probably a lot more we would all have a lot there would be a lot more permits to give out uh if you know if like we could only kill book size animals because guess what no one would kill anything <laughs> yeah you know success rate would go from 20 percent to two percent um or whatever and so we could give out a ton more tags Th you know think about that you want more tags be more selective on your <laughs> on your hunts no it, it doesn't work that way i i just i'm I, it's it's something that's constantly changing in my mind um as i you know i hear different perspectives and i try to to put my finger on a definition you know of of like this this idealistic answer you know, of like one that suits everyone, and there just isn't. Like, there is just there's no right answer that can suit everyone. Um, but there are some things that I think, if we just had these common truths, um, you know, within within the hunting world with our friends that are all hunters, um, you know, if we just understood that, accepted it, and and moved on, um, you know, then then things would be you know a lot better. But um so yeah yep. just fun to talk about so yep in the end just do whatever makes, whatever you, makes happy. you happy yep um and for me personally that's finding the biggest baddest you know deer yeah. elk i can find and you know so yeah if you want to shoot forkies go for it but yeah okay well love it we uh, we still got to get into your uh, muzzleloader hunt, and I still haven't told my uh, rifle mule deer hunt story. So we have got a few in the oven um, that will get recorded, and then I've got some um, some guest appearances, other you know actual guests that actual, I didn't con actual people actual people that aren't my family. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to get, uh, I just was chatting with Justin today, Justin Gordon. So, um, I'm going to get him on and have oh, him. That, that reminds me. Um, so, you know, the whole ordeal with my stocking socks and then I used my, my shoe insole mm -hmm. and yeah. So I saw a picture of Justin packing out that, that, you know, world record buck he killed. 
well, which, by close. the way, our, yeah. lawn, our world record-ish, um, our llamas packed that deer out, so that's pretty cool. Brought to you um, by Backcountry Logistics. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> so I I saw a picture and on on his backpack with the buck, he had those uh, five toes. Yep. Um, like vibram. Vib- vibram five five finger. Or, you know, I don't know why they call them five fingers instead of five toes. <laughs> anyways. So they're called vibram five fingers, and they've got a whole bunch of styles. But I I saw those on his picture. I'm like, man, those would be freaking awesome for stalking. Especially so wrapped, at, wrapped under a, a sock wrapped around it. Yeah. So I, I met him at the – I talked to him at the Hunt Expo, and I was like, man, I noticed you had those uh, – those vibram five fingers it was like yeah they're they're so awesome he said they're uh super grippy and he's like the amount of like dexterity you have and you know just balance and able to to be super stealthy is just awesome and i haven't used them like on dirt um i don't they're obviously not going to be as quiet as a sock which like you said the thing to do might be put those on and then put a, a thin sock over them yep and then you could just go as fast as you wanted and be super super stealthy yep. and because i the problem with just playing socks is you got crap poking you the whole time and then you know there's there's this leather stockasins and other things you can get but which those, just, those do great until it gets super crinkly and dry like i yeah then, no then it's like, no offense to uh you know our buddy there that that makes them yeah. but i i just i i've 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 yeah, the north north northern half of the continental U.S. or the the west, like I I think they're I think those would be money. Um, but Arizona, Nevada, it's just a little crinkly, be way too loud. But anyways, we'll we'll see how those do. They they can't be worse than uh, no <laughs> only socks. Well, or I remember using a shoe and sole. Clear back, I think when we were kids there they started coming out with those um in fact floyd bought some uh the like uh yeah well they're, yeah they're like wool um felt you know cut out of a shoe and then it had like straps going over the top of it or whatever yeah, um, sneaky feet sneaky feet and stuff like that which you know the problem I see with the ones that are designed to just go over your boot, like that's nice and convenient, but it's like the more surface area you have, it's just, I don't know, for me, it's less stealthy because you just have these, then you have big, you still have big clunky boots on. And then you have like, you know, half inch of this felt thing sticking out around the edges or whatever. And so I know, um, Travis Nowatney has his, um, stocking rimrock stalkers you know and those those look kind of interesting i don't know i just you know i haven't had my hands on a lot of those so i shouldn't say um one way or the other but i haven't oh we lost him let's see if we can get jason back okay we're back jason's uh lost service or i lost service or something we dropped the call but anyway i think we're just in the middle of explaining um some of those stocking socks and we don't need to go into that anymore so good uh good sign good uh hint to just wrap it up we've been on a little over an hour here so um yeah plenty other uh episodes coming i was uh i'm planning on just spitting out episodes about as fast as i can record them rather than you know kind of holding on to them i'm trying to do more 
more frequently and you know there's a little less editing and stuff like that so just trying to pump out content and not worry as much about you know the getting all the little intros and outros and all that kind of stuff so yeah i don't i honestly i don't think anyone likes that anyways like yeah no i started listening to a new podcast i won't say the name but anyways they've got a little intro you just fast forward through it yeah at the beginning they they put on their little sponsor you know two minute spiel and i just hit 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 until it gets to the the meat potatoes well and then who cares yeah and then you you know let's like i mean there's there's plenty of podcasts that have but like you look at like you know kafaru cast and they just you know i don't think they've ever they don't even know what an intro and an outro is (laughs) they just jump on and start talking and so they they seem to do pretty well so not that we're ever going to get to that point but anyway okay well thanks for coming on man yep see you buddy